1: Hey everyone, this is Michael Hall, Director of Training at RYM. Before we get to today's podcast, I want to invite you to join us at our annual Youth Leader Training Conference. YLT is an incredible week of equipping, connection, and encouragement for you and your ministry. We're excited to offer two locations in 2019, Nashville, Tennessee, and Paradise, Pennsylvania. Feature speakers include Sandy Wilson, Walt Mueller, Julie Lowe, Duffy Robbins, and Scotty Smith. Registration for both locations is now open. Please visit RYM.org slash training for more information and registration. Hey everybody, uh, welcome back. Uh, if you tuned in yesterday, you know that we are talking to Dr. Walt Mueller, uh, President of Center for Parent Youth Understanding, and we're talking about the topic of uh, pornography. And yesterday he gave some some counsel to youth workers on how to deal with that uh, in their church context. Uh, very helpful, so be sure to go back and check that out if you missed it. Um, today, uh, shifting to discussion uh, related to, to parents in this issue, uh, while we know that there's no such thing uh, as a perfect parent. Um, we all have, you know, blind spots in our parenting, and we know as, as Christians we're all sinners, and so we fail uh, in the role of parenting. Uh, and in the midst of our fa- failures, we must constantly remind ourselves of the gospel and be reminded that Jesus Christ lived uh, the perfect life and died death in our place. And so His righteousness uh, covers uh, our sins. And so uh, that said, uh, even though we know that there's no perfect parent, there are those parents who seek to be faithful and to take steps, uh, you know, to protect their children um, from pornography. Most likely, you know, some of those parents are listening to this this podcast. And so setting up kind of a hypothetical for you all, um, if we could gather a room filled with parents uh, that are not proactive on this issue uh, in regard to, to pornography, uh, those parents, you know, who think a little pornography, you know, it's no big deal. It's kind of a rite of passage. It's something all, you know, preteens, teens kind of go through. Um, if we could gather those parents together, again, who aren't uh, proactive, uh, what what's something you would uh, tell these parents uh, or a few things you would like to tell these parents besides screaming at them? yeah
0: (laughs) Uh, i'm not sure i can say this on the we we
1: we can we can edit it a little
0: porn a little porn's not a problem that's a crock of crap you know (laughs) um am i allowed to say that uh i guess so (laughs) okay all right i don't know i'll listen we'll see if you edit that out but i mean that's how strongly we should be responding to that because you know just at the level of theology we know that all sin is sin and to somehow assume that a small measure of sin is, we justify that as okay, because it's not a, in our eyes, a large measure of sin. Sin is sin in God's eyes, and it breaks us off. And I think just the fact that you began, you started this this line of questioning with the statement that there's no such thing as a perfect parent, well, there's no such thing as a perfect kid. And And I do think that, well, number one, just at the level of theology, why would we, Why would we teach our kids implicitly or explicitly, why would we choose to teach them that it's okay just to engage in sin a little bit? Um, And why would we assume that this is just, you know, a rite of passage for kids? Look, it, it might be common to the great overwhelming majority of kids, but that does not make it a rite of passage because it's the question is where does it lead and I think if it leads to good conversations with loving moms and dads and loving youth workers who have built relationships with their kids and 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 established a foundation upon which kids feel the freedom maybe some shame maybe some embarrassment uh, but the freedom to talk about this, you know, we're doing our kids a huge favor because the the trip ups, the slip ups, the sin that they become involved in, occasions, teachable moments that are redemptive in nature and that will equip them for life and that teach them not just on a smaller level about biblical sexuality, but about God's grace and forgiveness and repentance and restoration and all those wonderful things that are a part of our relationship with Christ. There's just so much at stake here. And to me, to say, you know, it's not a big deal, a little bit's not bad, um, at, at one level, that's just totally irresponsible parenting. It's lazy parenting, I think, in many ways, because now you don't have to deal with it. But it also, John, doesn't take into account the fact that don't all of what we call in our culture today addictions start with one decision that's typically an introduction to something that might just be in small measure initially, but becomes the central point, uh, the, the central focus of a person's life, not just at a young age, but even into old age? And if you would, I, I would venture to say, that if you would talk to someone who's addicted to pornography, who is habitually involved with that, they would be able to give you a good answer to that isn't just a little bit okay.
1: Hmm.
0: Yeah, um, I just think there's so many dimensions to this that are troubling.
1: Absolutely. And, and we know, I mean, as I throw this out kind of as a, as a hypothetical, I know for sure um, there are those parents, you know, I've encountered in my own ministry and talking with other youth workers who, who do just kind of seem to downplay this or encourage it. Um, I mean, I've, I've heard other youth workers sharing, you know, um, fathers even kind of encouraging, um, hey, let's watch the Victoria's Secret show together or, um, you know, something along those lines. And uh, I mean, it's, it's, you know, just... Very discouraging, troubling to hear uh that that uh, type of discussion going on. And and to you know, I mean I obviously the statistics are pointing to it that we we know that um as you said, lazy parenting, I do think that kind of um captures it and, and laziness, I mean specifically as we know, just kinda of handing smartphones to preteens and, and teens, um I mean that's that's how they're accessing this. And so um there's definitely that, that laziness factor there.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I think we need to I think we need to heed what Paul said about fleeing from sexual immorality. We can't emphasize that enough. When I think about fleeing and when I talk to kids about this, I I ask them, you know, like if you're laying in bed at night and the fire alarm goes off and you smell smoke and you hear the crackle of a fire and under your door, you see the, you know, the dancing light of a a flame. Do you roll over and go back to sleep? No, you you I mean, you'd be crazy to do that. And I I think, you know, a, a recent metaphor for this just from the news is what happened recently on the North Shore in Massachusetts, where I get to spend a lot of time, by the way, and we lived up there where all these houses within three towns started to sort of blow up and, and develop fires that were precipitated by some sort of gas leak. And you know, when I heard the initial I turned on the initial report on the news. And there was bewilderment, but there was also action. And the 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 people who knew you know who had some authority said, we don't know what's happening. Get out of your house. Get out now. You know, flee. Run. It doesn't matter whether your house is on fire or not. This is not something we're going to mess around with. And I often say that pornography is like a bomb because when it does, you know, we think we're just messing with some little things. We start to put it together. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And when it goes off and it will, it affects everybody, not just the person who's engaged. It. So, you know, I mean, John, here's another thing to think about sexual trafficking. You know, our, our kids, this is a good thing in our culture right now that we typically are unified. It doesn't matter what we think about sex and sexuality, whether we're following the cultural narrative or the biblical narrative, there seems to be a near unanimous opinion, except among sexual traffickers, that trafficking is wrong. We don't put kids or adults into this. And yet when you engage with pornography, you're engaged with people who are being trafficked either forcefully by someone else or by choice. And so you're contributing to that, even if you don't pay for what you're looking at, because we know the great majority of pornography, we're told, you know, it's it's affordable, which means it's free. So, um, yeah, what are they, what is it? Affordable, yeah, accessible, and anonymous. That's I right, mean. the
1: AAA engine of pornography. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. So you know, parents don't don't be foolish. Um, yeah, you and and again, this is where you need to push back. I mean, it's it's tough, it's difficult when I
1: hear this. <clears throat> oh yeah, it's 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 troubling for sure. And so I mean, kind of you know, getting this to a concise you know statement. It's really trying to drive home the point to these parents. This is nothing to play around with. One, like you said, first off, it is it's sin before God first yeah. and foremost as Christians, and we must be. By God's grace and the power of His Spirit, fighting against this, like you said, fleeing it, and so trying to, to, to communicate that first off that it's sin before God, but this is nothing. This is very dangerous and deadly. Um, nothing to mess around with. And so, uh, some advice too, Walt, on and, and I've had you know again parents in my ministry and I know others. Um, the parents catch their children, you know, looking at pornography, and um, they catch them, and then. You know, there's a talk and there's an initial discussion, but then you know months go by, another year, and then they find out they're still doing it. They're still looking at it, still a struggle. What what advice would you give to those parents who know their children are struggling and it's it's an ongoing struggle? Maybe some practical steps of yeah, okay, you've got you've got to do this and conversation. What what's some advice there?
0: Yeah. Well, the first thing is, you know, uh, I think in today's world, especially for many Christian parents, when you catch your kids with this it's devastating um and i would guess that the way this works out in families this is the way i've heard it and i've seen it is that if a dad catches a son let's say dad will respond differently than mom when mom finds out it's just super devastating because typically women don't understand why this is such a big deal among men. And I think what we need to do in both cases, men and women, when we catch a child, whether it's a son or a daughter, or we discover this, is I, I think we have to remain extremely calm um, and be happy that you've, you've done this. I mean, we have four kids and we, we prayed as they were growing up And I advise parents of this as well, that no matter what it is, if they're doing something, engaging in something they shouldn't be doing, you know, pray they get caught so that you have a chance to deal with it while they're still in your home, because the fallout of this is unbelievable. If we go back to our prior conversation here just a couple of minutes ago, you know, you let your kids use this stuff, you know, that you're you're basically affecting the state of your son or daughter's future family, their relationship with their spouse. Their relationship yes. with their children, you know, your grandchildren don't even exist yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the fallout's far and wide. It just spreads like ripples in the water. And so, again, you know, this is where I think we need to get, step back and go, okay, like this is big, but let's remain calm. And I would, I would point people to, and maybe John, you can, you know, find this. I don't have it right off the top of my head, but my friend Nicholas Black at uh, Harvest USA has written a a fabulous article a few years ago, and I think it's titled something like, I caught my kid looking at porn, now what? And Nicholas offers some great advice and direction on how to turn this into an opportunity to not only teach God's order and design for sexuality, but build your relationship with your son or daughter, maintain the relationship with your son or daughter, continue to talk about these things with your son or daughter, and see repentance and restoration redemption come out of this. And and I think another bit of advice I would say is this. Don't assume that just because you caught them and you had the conversation this is once and done. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is an ongoing thing. And I would say I don't have statistics on this, but my guess would be in most cases you're just hitting the tip of the iceberg and so these conversations need to continue and Mm-hmm. This is the process of nurture, right? I mean, it's not mm-hmm. say it, your kids do it. Yeah. I've never met a kid who, who was reprimanded by mom or dad who turned around and said, wow, thanks, that's changing my life. <laughs> Beginning of a process.
1: Exactly. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And then definitely, I mean, as far as... Maybe some practical steps to protect them too. Uh, I mean, limiting the, their access to screens. I mean, yeah. devices, laptops in the bedroom, which you know, I, I would say, you know, preteen teens should not have a laptop in their bedroom um, on their own. That needs a to be in a public I mean, really, yeah. it's a
0: smartphone too, and that's where I would say there's numerous reasons why you don't want to let your kids sleep with their smartphones. One is just the interruption of sleep, which leads to depression and all kinds of other issues. The other is, you know, what are they going to access in, because we said it, right? It's accessible, it's affordable, and it's anonymous. And that smartphone really makes it anonymous. And so, you know, get the get the phones out of the bedrooms overnight. That's just a, a good first step. And the other thing is, don't put a phone that has, you know, the ability to have internet access 24-7 in the hands of a child who's too young to handle that kind of responsibility. Because they don't have to find this stuff. It will find them. And once it's found them, then they're going to seek to start to find it. Because, look, you know, I tell this story all the time. I'll tell it next week. I was 12 years old the first time I saw pornography. And there were two things that went through my head when I was, when I was experiencing this. I remember it very well. One was, what I'm doing here is wrong. I just knew that it shouldn't be happening. And the second thing was... I like this. I like what I'm seeing. And that's not a difficult thing for me to understand because I was made to like it. Um, I I was made as a sexual being. You know, God does not want me to seek out broken expressions of sexuality and pornography. But there is a natural inclination towards this because of how God has made me. And if you don't believe that, read Song of Solomon. Hmm. (laughs) they desire as men as to be for our wife and our wives for their husbands that sort of thing Mm -hmm.
1: yeah yeah that's again a lot of good advice there and as you're you're continuing to point back the fact that we are created as sexual beings and so we're hardwired for this and so really it's just this is an ongoing conversation this just has to be normal um, expected conversation uh, for parents with their children Um, even if the children are rolling their eyes, even if they feel uncomfortable, one, the more you do it, the more normal it will be. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, like you said, it's coming after them. And so this, this must be uh, discussed in the home. So, Walt, again, a lot of good advice. Anything you want to add as I'm closing this out?
0: No, just make use of the resources that are out there. I know I mentioned Harvest USA. That's a great resource and any others you can find, you know, as you teach about this and talk about this. I'll mention one other book. It's been really helpful for me. Dennis Hollinger, who is the president at Gordon Conwell Seminary, who's an ethicist, has written a book called The Meaning of Sex. And it is wonderful. Um, you can teach about it. And he talks a lot about brokenness, sexual brokenness and the results of that. And he, he, he frames it all in the biblical story, the biblical narrative, creation, fall, redemption and restoration. So it's a wonderful mm-hmm. resource.
1: Yeah, and a last resource, as you mentioned, Harvest USA, they just released, um, it's called it's entitled Alive, and I cannot remember the subtitle, but it might be Biblical Sexuality for, for Teens or for Students, and it's, I believe, a 12-week study going through just uh, Biblical Sexuality, uh, but again, that's about Harvest USA. Um, I think Cooper Pinson was the main one to kind of put yes, that together. Cooper wrote but, that, that's um, right. So yeah, that'd be something helpful to check out. All right, well, Walt, uh, thanks again. We're going to continue this conversation more tomorrow.